Really that great commission type living that that David kicked us off with of tying that back to our mission statement of making mature followers of Christ to the glory of God. Before we can do that, we first have to be a maturing disciple ourselves, right? Uh, If we're going to, as we are going, make disciples and as a result, teach them all that we have been commanded by Christ, uh, we've got to understand maturity. We've got to understand how we ourselves, by God's grace, grow in the Lord. And so, uh, as we were talking about this as elders, and, you know, what's the next step? Where do we go in the Word? What's our next series? Well, what can we do? And what should we be about the business of doing? We, we just anchored in this text and came back to this reality of, you know what, there's a great opportunity for us to just kind of hit a pause button after a, a lengthy, what we believe series, heavy on doctrine and theology, and give us a little bit of a shot in the arm with a quick practical but yet impactful and purposeful four-week series on this idea of maturing as, as believers. And so I hope, I hope you're tracking on those lines. I hope you're following with this, and I hope you're understanding the importance of what the Word of God is, is drawing our attention to even uh, this morning. And so um, I'm excited about this, this passage. Um, it's, it's one of these verses that, you know, sometimes you get to a text and it's, it's heavy and, you know, it's weighty and it's, um, uh, you leave with just kind of the sense of, you know, just kind of this deep exhale of, wow, you know, I need to kind of mull that over, digest that. I got some work to do type of thing. But, but the, the, the verse that we're in this morning, it could not be more glorious, more encouraging uh, right, the first step out of the, out of the doors this morning, you can take something and say, wow, I'm thankful. And so there's, there's definitely a positive energy and vibe this morning with the verse that we're going to look at. And, and so I'm excited about that. And um, I hope you can see that this morning as we get into Colossians chapter number one. So let's uh, stand together just to stretch a little bit. I know you just sat down. Uh, can we stand together and, and just read uh, this this text this morning, and then we're going to dive into our verse. Uh, so let's go ahead and read. We're going to read verses 9, and we're going to read down through 14, Colossians chapter number 1. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, this is our text this morning. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much this morning that you've given us the opportunity uh, to gather as your church, your bride, uh, the body of Christ. And uh, we do not take that for granted. Uh, Just to think about the measure of grace that you have given us right now in these relationships that are represented under this roof this morning is, is unbelievable. Father, all, 
walks of life and different backgrounds and generations are, are spanned right here in, in this room. And that is your doing. That is your work. And Father, we thank you that you've promised us that you will build your church. And you're doing that work right here in Liberty Hills Bible Church. And we want to acknowledge that and thank you for that. And we also want to acknowledge, Father, that that work is not of ourselves. It is the headship of Christ and is the Holy Spirit that is working in and through us to point glory back to the Father. And so I pray that we would be mindful of all those realities as we woke up this morning and, and got ready for church to come to gather here at Warren Hills Elementary School uh, maybe those realities aren't as, as prevalent or uh, real in our mind, but let us just pause and just say, thank you, Jesus, uh, for giving us your church. And so I pray now that as we look into your word, um, that we would be changed as a result of it. At the individual level, spanning into our spheres of influence that you've given us, maybe in a marriage or in a home with children, uh, even with just brothers and sisters in Christ engaging with each other, but also to our, our neighbors and our co-workers into this uh, city and, and this uh, towns that you have brought us into. I pray that we would uh, do your work, your great commission living, that we would not just be satisfied. Father, we're just going through the motions of coming to church on Sunday, but we would understand the realities, Father, that we are the church and you've given us a real commission that you expect to be completed, um, and that you've equipped us to complete. So, Father, let us settle for nothing less than to be a New Testament biblical church of togetherness and fellowship and unity, not around any external things, but around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray to that end. Uh, in your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> So this morning, we're looking at verse number 11. Let's go there again and read. Um, we've, we've got the context. Again, I won't uh, belabor some of that, but let's read our verse. It says this, May you be strengthened with all power according to its glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. I don't know as you're reading the scripture, if you're like me, but I find myself just defaulting to uh, some of the just simple questions of who, what, where, when, why of, of a text, right? It kind of helps me just understand what's going on, uh, helps me hopefully get in the right direction of initial interpretation or understanding of, of the text. And so I'm not going to get real creative and cute with my points and my outline. I'm just going to let the text this morning uh, be our outline. It's, it's a small verse, but yet it is, it is packed full of truth that if we really wrap our heart and our mind around, can absolutely make an incredible impact with how we understand this overall topic of maturing in our knowledge and our relationship with the Lord. So we're going to talk about really um, the horizontal and the vertical relationships that are represented through this maturing process, right? We know that as we mature in our knowledge of the Lord, we're in the text, we're in Scripture, we're, we're being filled with the knowledge, right? That was the whole point of verses uh, really 9 and 10, right? To know God's will, to be filled with the knowledge of His will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, right? We have this knowledge being worked out through wisdom, understanding concepts and starting to flesh it out. And as we start to live it out, we get to this point of verse 10, 
that Jeff anchored on even last week and this morning, now that we're starting to live it out, it brings a reality that we have to walk and live in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. Because we understand who the Lord is. We understand what He's accomplished for us on behalf of ourself and our sin and our need to be reconciled through God or through Jesus Christ to God because of our sin. And so then we find ourselves understanding that as we start to walk in a worthy manner, what happens? We start bearing fruit. We start growing in the Lord. And that's for our own benefit, but also to the benefit of others. Fruit is what? Observable. And it encourages, and it exhorts, and it admonishes. And so that's this natural process of, of the creating this culture of discipleship. It happens. How? Just as individuals start growing in the Lord. You don't have to have some curriculum. We don't have to have this master uh, assigned list that, hey, you're paired up with this person, and hey, you're going to go with this person, and you're going to disciple that person, and this person's going to disciple you. And we can try to manufacture all this growth and relationship and excitement. And guess what? That doesn't work. Why? Because it's not God's plan. You can't manufacture unity. You can't manufacture relationship. That's done as the Holy Spirit unites hearts and minds together. And so as I, as an individual, start getting passionate about knowing the one who has saved me, and I start walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, my lifestyle choices start changing as a result of the impact of the truth of God's word is making on me. And as a result, I start rubbing shoulders with other people. The fruit that is starting to be observable in my own life, it starts making an impact in others. I encourage and I love and I pray for and I build relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ for the glory of God. It's just this organic approach to creating this culture of discipleship rather than us trying to micromanage something as elders that would never work. And so, friends, with that reality, is there not an urgency and an intentionality and a weight at an individual level when we understand that? Because guess what? If I don't understand my responsibility to grow in the Lord, to search after God and to know His truth and to know His Word, if I don't take that, respons- that responsibility seriously, is it not only uh, to my own detriment, but also to the detriment of who else? The body of Christ other brothers and sisters, because I'm not being who God has designed me to be in relationship with others as a result of my failure to submit to and to grow in the word of God. Does that make sense? Yeah. So here we are in verse number 11. Here we are in verse number 11. I'm just going to take three basic points out of this simple verse this morning, and we're going to try to unpack them in a way that uh, hopefully it will be helpful and encouraging and challenging to you this morning. So the first question we're going to ask ourselves this morning out of verse number 11 is why does Paul need to pray for strength for these Colossian believers? Why does he need to pray that these believers be strengthened with all power? Well, understanding the context of, of this letter, uh, we know that Paul is in prison right now, right? And, and Paul actually has never met these Colossian believers. Uh, he did not plant this church. It's kind of a unique situation in that, right? Uh, it's kind of a neighboring town uh, with the church of Ephesus. And Onesimus uh, was under part of, of Paul's ministry there at Ephesus. And Onesimus has come back to his hometown 
Um, and, and he's basically established by God's grace. There's been a gathering of, of believers here that have followed Christ and uh, that we've got a church here. And so the word has gotten back to Paul about this gathering of believers here, these Colossian believers. And so he writes this letter to them uh, with a few things in mind, understanding that anytime God is on the move and, and there's a growth, there's also t- typically close behind that an attack. And we know that's exactly what's happened in this church, right? You've got some false teachers that have quickly rose up in the area. Uh, they're propagating this Gnosticism and mysticism, uh, detrimental uh, theologies to contradictory to the word of God. And so Paul is, is helping them ground themselves in who? Christ. Not get caught up with, with all these uh, false doctrines and false teachers, but understand who Christ is And as a result, how they should live. It's a simple, but yet profoundly a practical book. And so that's the context that Paul is is writing uh, this letter to these Colossian believers. And so why does he he need to tell them to be strengthened? Well, you think about it, right? Anytime you have something rising up that's contradictory to the original intent, you've got to have some, some resilience. You've got to have some... Uh, some passion and some stick-to-itiveness uh, about you. And so that's what Paul is really challenging them to do in verse number 11. Based off of their knowledge of who God is, and as a result, what Christ has done for them, and as they're growing and maturing and bearing fruit, he wants them to understand that's great, we're thankful that it's happening, but yet you need to understand that we've got to be strengthened. And we need to be strengthened with all power. So the second question that we're going to ask ourselves this morning is how are we strengthened with all power? Right? We see there in in verse 11, right? He says, may you be strengthened with all power. Well, there's kind of two aspects to this all power. And let's just introduce this second phrase, right? By his what? Glorious So we see quantity and we see quality represented in this power and this might that's represented. Paul is challenging the Colossian believers to be strengthened with all power. That's the quantity, right? He doesn't leave anything out. It's not just this uh, incomplete, uh, this initial burst of power that you're given at salvation and just hope it doesn't run out at some point, right? That's, That's not what he's saying. But rather this participle here, be strengthened. It's a present participle where it literally means just keep on being strengthened, right? It's it's not just a one-time action, but it's going to continue in the days ahead. So we have this being strengthened with all power. And what then is the quality of this power? Whose power is it? Whose strength is it? It's God's, right? By his glorious might. I'm going to throw an audible here for my kids. I did not plan this. Hey, Grayson. Can you come up and stand by Daddy for a second? Can you come, you come up here with Daddy? No? Emma, you want to come up here with Daddy? Uh, Maddie, Shirley, you going to come through for me? You want to come up here? All right. Thank you. It's more impactful with Grayson, but the illustration still works. All right? Okay, Maddie. Would you just stand right up here? Thank you, sweetie. Give me five. All right. All right. I want you to stand right there in the middle, and I'm going to stand there right by you, okay? Now, I want you to, as best as you can, show them your big muscles. All right. Okay, hold on. Like, everybody take this in, all right? Pull your arm up one more time and flex real big, all right? Okay, let me see that. Okay, 
You ready there? Let's do it one more time. Whew, that's pretty strong. All right, go sit down. Thank you. Everybody get a round of applause. Thank you, sweetie. Appreciate it. I'm sure there's an ice cream coming sometime there. Um, <laughs> silly illustration, but I can remember doing this as a kid. I'm sure you all remember those times as well where mom and dad say, show me your muscles, and we pull up our scrawny little arms, right? And, and we flex big and strong. And in our minds, right, I can't imagine, like as a kid, you're just thinking, you're like the Hulk. I mean, it's just like muscles bursting out. I just, I could not be more strong at this moment. I'm showing dad how strong I am. And Maddie, you are so strong. Thank you, sweetie. Unfortunately, she's gotten the Stanley jeans, which is a little long and lanky. So I don't know if she's ever going to have a lot of muscles. And same thing with Grayson. Uh, we're not going to have a lot of muscles, but the, st- the illustration is this, right? Follow me. It's silly illustration. Just track me, okay? Thank you for humoring me with my silly illustrations. But the quality of the strength that's represented is very important for us to understand what Paul is praying for these believers. Whose power and the quality of this strength is that of God. It is his strength. It's not Grayson standing up here and showing how strong he is. It's not his strength, right? It's not even my strength, it's, which that's not a lot, right? We know that. It's not uh, the strongest guy in this church. It's not anybody else in this world. This is, there is a supernatural strength, power, and might that is available to us, and it's not our own. It's not our own, but it is God's, and he has made that available to us through Christ. I mean, just think about that. Paul was praying for these believers that they be strengthened with all power. What power? Right? When Paul would talk about the power of God, that would have brought about some very historical and cultural instances that would be that, that every person, man, woman, and child, young and old, would, would know and to ponder and think about. When we think about the power of God and his might, typically in the Word of God, Old Testament and New, Believers think about really three things. The power of God in what? First, creation, right? When, when, the, when we're talking about the strength and the power and the might of God, they're going to tie that back to who do we know God to be? He is creator. Spoke all things into existence. This is that God. They would also understand that there was a strength and a power and a might for physical deliverance. Right, we think of the Old Testament. What are we what are we thinking about? Yeah, the Exodus, right? We would be thinking about how God delivered his people, his his covenant people, how he delivered them out of bondage of the Egyptians. And young and old would have been passed on from generation to generation, telling about the deeds and the good works and the grace and the mercy of the Lord and how mighty and strong. And powerful he is, not only as creator, but to deliver his people out of oppression and bondage. So that would be in their mind. They would be thinking about that. They would be remembering those conversations with mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and great-grandma and grandpa as it was passed from generation to generation, telling you the great works of the Lord. And even today, can we not be thankful for the word that we have these same testimonies? But also, not only is it in um, God as creator and as his physical deliverer, but also he shows his strength, power, and might through spiritual deliverance in the New Testament. 
that God is mighty to save. Do we not see that type of, of power exemplified in Scripture in the Old Testament and New Testament? I just want to take a few moments just to read a few verses. And, and we could literally spend hours uh, thinking about different verses and text and stories in Scripture that tie back to the power of God. And so we know as we look at the whole of Scripture that God is all-powerful from a doctrinal perspective. That is his what? Omnipotence. We've, we've talked about that even in our recent study. He is able to do whatever he wills. And his power is only limited really only by his, his character, his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his love. But yet he is still just, just right and good in the midst of, of those situations. So let's look at a few verses. Mark 10, verse 27. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to kind of go shotgun style through these to kind of just build the case with the understanding of those three things, God as creator, God as physical deliverer, and God as spiritual deliverer, understanding his strength, his might, and his power. Mark ten twenty seven says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Going back to the Old Testament, Genesis eighteen fourteen is anything too hard for the Lord? Rhetorical question? Psalm 93, verse 1. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. I just realized I just did a discount double check there. That's not what I was going for. But he has put on strength as his belt. That's a shout out to Jeff there. A little Green Bay reference there. Sorry, a little lightheartedness in the midst there. This is our God. He has put on strength as his Belt. Yes, the world is established. Established by who? The Creator. It shall never be moved. Mark 14, 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet uh, not what I will, but your will be done. All things are possible, Christ testified. Luke 1, 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Job, there we go to Job in the midst of trial and circumstance and difficulty, everything being stripped away from, from Job through these uh, uh, temptations of, of Satan. He testifies this, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be what thwarted. Job 9.12, behold, he goes on to say, he snatches away, who can turn him back? Who will say to him? Right? Uh, Jeremiah 10.6, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. Psalm 50, verse 1, the mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Mark 14, 62, and Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of what? Power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Luke 1, 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. I could literally go on and on and on and never even come close to covering what Scripture has to testify about the strength, the might, and the power of the God that we serve. And so what is Paul praying in light of those realities? 
In, in light of God as creator, God as physical deliverer and spiritual deliverer, in light of Old Testament, New Testament, crying out that God is mighty and powerful and worthy, what is the impact that those realities have for my own life? What does Paul say in verse number 11? Let's go back to our text. Verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So we did the why, we did the how. And then the last question that we're going to ask is what does this strength that Paul is praying for these Colossian believers, what does it produce in the life of a believer? As a believer is seeking out the will of God, understanding the riches of Scripture and, 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 and wisdom starting to live those out, walking in a worthy manner and starting to bear fruit in its life. What is this strength that Paul pr- prays for the believers? The result is this. What does it start producing in the life of a believer? Godly character. What we just testified about the strength, might, and power, it is all based on the character of God. So we start to understand who God is, the very character of who God is, starts to being developed in our own life, and that's the fruit, right? And so we see three unique aspects of godly character that Paul points out on behalf of the believer um, that are notable to point out and why Paul may have focused in on these three character traits. I mean, think about fruit of the Spirit. Think about different lists that we have in Scripture, 2 Peter chapter 1, where there's all kinds of godly character that's represented. But why, why, these, why these three things? Why all endurance? Why patience and with joy? So the first two are really character traits, but really the, the third one is, is I'm, I'm going to give a nuance of an attitude. Okay, uh, So we're going to talk about what's the difference between endurance and patience. Aren't those kind of similar? Like, you know, why didn't Paul just maybe lump those two together? Uh, and just call it good. Uh, why, why endurance and patience? What are some of the unique aspects of those two words? And then really we're going to finish with talking about this attitude that's produced of, of joy in the midst of waiting, in the midst of endurance, in the, in the midst of, of patience. Okay. Sorry, my, that's what I do when I go off script and don't follow my notes in detail. So other translations, what other words do you have maybe in your Bibles for endurance there? The first word that's represented in that last phrase of verse 11. Any others? Steadfastness. Okay, good. Any other translations? Perseverance. Yeah. Okay, so we've got perseverance, steadfastness. ESV says endurance, right? What's going on with that word and, and what is that, um, what is the focus of those words? Um, in light of horizontal and vertical. I, I'm going a little, um, I want to be conversational here. So, so when something, is this circumstances for myself or is this in relation to other, other people that endurance and patience would have a, a different uh, object? Let's call it that. What is the object of endurance? Who is the object of endurance? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> I knew somebody would get there, right? So endurance is really this, this more self-focused aspect of, of godly character that's starting to be developed, right? And so Paul is telling them that as we are strengthened by the power and might and strength of the Lord, uh, it's going to produce what? Endurance. Uh, 
let's, let's talk about this. Here we've got uh, a young church that's got false teachers rising up against it. Uh, there's no doubt oppression. Paul, the apostle, is imprisoned. And the church, no doubt, knows about that. There's persecution at every corner. Uh, you think endurance is, is something that, that they need to hear about? That they need to be encouraged to, to stick with it, to endure? There needs to be a perseverance with their faith and, and the relationship with the Lord? To not give up? Does that make sense where I'm going with that? So, so understanding the strength and the might and the power of our Lord, it's going to produce a, a perseverance of our faith. Right? When I forget who God is, when I forget what He's done in the past, how He's working in my life today, and what He's promised for me in the days ahead as a result of our faith in the Lord, what's going to happen? I, I, my faith is going to start to crumble. It's just going to start to disintegrate in front of me at the first challenge of my faith. But what have I done? I've, I've forgotten who God really is and who He said He is. And how do I know who God is and what He said He, he did? I, it's the Word of God. Right? So as I understand and know the Word of God, as I'm increasing in this knowledge of the Lord that we talked about in verses 9 and 10, as I'm, as I'm walking worthy and I'm bearing fruits, there's something that happens to my faith. It endures. It's bolstered. It grows. Because I'm living in the realities of what Scripture says God has done and who He is. And as a result, this endurance, this personal uh, determination to follow the Lord, to deny my cross, to take up, uh, to die myself, <laughs> take up my cross and follow Him, that is my aim, that is my goal, that is my mission, no matter what happens. I mean, pour on all the circumstances that you want. My eyes are fixed on the goal. And I'm running to win. Because I know who God is. And I'm confident of it because Scripture says so. So there's an endurance. Think about this, guys. Uh, endurance is not a, a perfect quality trait that is developed in our life. By that, it's not uh, on this static incline of just gradual growth and uh, endurance of our faith, it's got ebbs and flows. It's got ups and downs. And, and the reality of circumstances hit home, and they're hard, and they're, they're heavy, and it can impact our faith at some level. Think of, of uh, a Peter. I, I use Peter often in, in this passage of Scripture because I just find it so relatable uh, but you find him in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, right? I, you're probably tired of me bringing up that passage, but I, I just, I go there anytime we're talking about endurance and, 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 and patience and, and just this determination because Peter, Peter failed miserably uh, in the verses to follow. And Christ is, is trying to foreshadow this and tell Peter that, you know, look, there's an adversary. Um, there's an enemy out there. And he's got his crosshairs on your life and he's demanded to have you. That he might sift you like wheat. But Christ says, but I, Christ, have prayed for you. That your faith would not fail. It might uh, be a little bit less. It might falter. It might wane a little bit. But it will not what? Fail. Because it's rooted and grounded in, in Christ. And, and it's his character. It's, it's, it's a part of who he is to not only start this work, but to complete it. 
And so this preservation of my endurance and this determination and stick to isn't even up to myself. Reminding ourselves that the strength, this power that's available, this might, it's His glorious might. The manifestations of God's power have, have given us this confidence that it's Him. It's, it's Him that will bring about this enduring work in, in my life. And so we go on to, to patience. What's going on with this word and, and what is the object of our patience? Not me, but who? Others, right? right so we've got this, this patient of patience, understanding that uh, endurance is for me and it's got a similar aspect of, of, of waiting and, and bearing up under trials and, and steadfastness. But then we have this idea of a patience and it, it literally has some, some nuance of, of others focused. There's a benefit to my patience that impacts others spiritually. When they see me wait well, when I walk along somebody else well with the knowledge of the Lord, what does that do for their faith? Does it not bolster it? Does it not strengthen it? Does it not have this discipleship type of nuance to it when we think of this endurance and this patience being others focused? So friends, I wonder, how how are we doing on that? Are you patiently walking aside others in the Word, in the Lord, brothers and sisters who may be at varying stages of of maturation, maybe a newborn babe in the Lord, or whether it's a a senior saint in in the Lord? Are you walking alongside other people? Are you others focused? Are you waiting well? Are you enduring for your own benefit and producing fruit to encourage and bolsters other faith? Uh, Friends, I I don't know about you, but... um, I think we have a lot of work that we can do on that front. Because quite frankly, walking with others well is hard. And it's laborious. And it's um, sometimes even discouraging. Why? Because think about Peter. I mean, if I was walking alongside with Peter and trying to encourage each other in the Lord, I mean, Peter's about as, you know, mamba as a roller coaster as you could come, right? I mean, it's just depths of despair. He's ready to, you know, go to battle with Swinging swords and all. I mean, it's just this up and down of, of Peter. And, and that's the reality of walking and doing life together is there's ebbs and flows. There's ups and downs. And there's a reciprocal nature of this as we are individually understanding our responsibility to, to be strengthened and to submit to that strength that I have available to me, all power by his glorious might. It's going to produce an endurance about my faith. As I'm walking along somebody else and they're walking alongside me, <coughs> excuse me, what's this final aspect that Paul points out for these believers in verse number 11? There's an incredible attitude and, and spirit that is produced uh, that has an incredible effect. Uh, it's joy. I, mean, I, just, I just think that that's awesome that Paul points out that doing life together in the midst of difficult circumstances and in context of this letter of persecution and uncertainty, quite frankly, of their life and what tomorrow may hold, he says that there's joy. Have endurance and patience, but yet guess what? There's a joy about this that I can't explain. This is, this is not of this world type joy. This isn't happiness. This isn't a fleeting like, oh, that was a good experience and man, I should do that again sometime. This is, this is joy. It doesn't make sense to those observe. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, we go over to James chapter 1. Let's go there. James chapter 1. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, Paul, Paul, Paul's absolutely in prison. And so, I mean, Paul's living this out as a testimony for these believers as well. I mean, he's, he's, going, to, he's going to the wall with it. And he's living it out as a testimony, an example, right? We, we know James chapter 1. We know this passage. Uh, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 dri- tribes and the dispersion. Greetings. Verse 2, count it all joy. <coughs> Excuse me. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. There it is. We've got joy and we've got trials. Let steadfastness have its full effect. You may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We've got, uh, in a very parallel passage, we've got steadfastness. We've got joy. We've got perseverance in the midst of what? Trials, circumstances, uncertainty. Friends, this is what we're called to. This is the life of a disciple. And it's hard to wrap our head around that in kind of our comfortable American Christianity where we don't always live in reality of, of persecution day in and day out. And, and we don't always live in reality of, of the need for and the urgency and intentionality that's needed to produce patience and endurance and to live with this joy of the Lord. But this is what Paul is living at this moment. And this is what his prayer for these Colossian believers was, not only now, but in the days ahead. And so, friends, not only is it applicable for them, but it's applicable for us today at Liberty Hills Bible Church. Friends, are you growing in your knowledge of the Lord? Are you maturing yourself? Are you producing fruit? Are you living out the Word of God? Do you even care about the Word of God? And when circumstances are hitting, when trials come, are you able to have this confident joy assurance that God is in control because you trust Him and you know who He is and you can be strengthened with all power by His glorious might, understanding who He was, who He is today, and who He promises to be in the days ahead? As I'm telling you, if we understand the reality of what it looks like to be strengthened with all power by His glorious might, it absolutely will do a work of producing endurance and patience. And it'll change our attitude from fear, anxiety, fret, doubt. It will take those and it will turn it into confidence and assurance and bolstered faith. Um, this morning I uh, wrote, in my back pocket, I wrote just a little word about this passage as I was kind of reflecting this morning. Um, So I just want to read that as kind of closing comments. Some of you might have uh, read it on our group Facebook page. I didn't send it in an email, so if you don't don't have Facebook, you probably would not have seen it. But uh, here's what I wrote. I simply said this. We'll be continuing our series on creating a culture of discipleship this morning at Liberty Hills Bible Church. We're anchoring in verse 11 of chapter 1 of Colossians. What I said, part of maturing as a believer in Christ is understanding that even in the midst of trial and uncertainty, God is there. He's never absent. 
right? In our finite minds, it may take us a little bit to process and understand what's going on and, and why he's doing what he's doing. But at the end of the day, he's there. And not only is he just present, but he is active. So he's, he's doing something, he's moving, he's working, he's producing something beautiful in the midst of the hurt and the pain and the ugliness and the mess that sometimes is life. Right? This is the reality of this verse. That's the strength, that's the power, that's the might. It's, it's, it's at work. And so Paul then tells us on those realities to be strengthened by his might, with patience, endurance, and joy. This is just an incredible reminder and reality to live in. Whatever you are going through this morning, whatever circumstance, trial, situation, relationship difficulty, job difficulty, financial difficulty, health difficulty, God is there. He is not void in those situations. He is there and He's trying to work out something good in your life. Something good in the midst of pain. It's possible. Why? Because sometimes it's in the midst of pain that God gets the most glory. That the reality of God and His existence can be lived out the most in the midst of my hurt. That's what it looks like sometimes to follow Christ. So Paul tells us this morning to live in the reality of who we know God to be in the past, who He is today, and who He will be in the days ahead. So what's our response? My response is this, based on the truth of Scripture, the inerrant, perfect Word of God, I can keep believing in the midst of my doubts. I can keep trusting in the midst of my fear. I can keep on enduring in the midst of my failure. I can keep on living in the midst of my hopelessness for the glory of God because it's at that epicenter, at that moment, that joy unspeakable can be realized. But friends, it's only at that point where we lose all of ourselves and we understand that I have nothing to offer God. No wisdom, no power, no strength, no knowledge in and of myself because God is the only true source of that. So when I lose myself in that, I gain an incredible relationship with the Lord. I gain Christ. I gain true knowledge and true understanding that's not based on some worldly wisdom or some explanation, but on my experience that God has saved me and He's adopted me into His family and He loves me and He wants a relationship with me and He wants to use me for His glory in this world. That is the God that we serve. And so friends, I wonder, are we going to wake up to those realities? Are we going to continue to do what? Oh, it's Sunday. Let's go to church. Oh, it's life group. Uh, what am I supposed to bring tonight? Oh, it's men's Bible study. Oh, man. <sighs> Got a, a lot of work to do. Oh, it's, you fill in the blank. Are we just going to continue to perpetuate this comfortable, complacent brand of Christianity? Or are we going to say, forget what religion says it should look like, and let's look at the Word of God and be a New Testament biblical church that God can actually use? Because that's what we desire to be. A biblical church that is real. That has relationships that are budding and growing and impacting each other for the glory of God. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. And guess what? We can't do that. But God can. And so that's what it looks like as we continue to understand this culture of discipleship. Understanding what it looks like to rightly relate to God and as a result, what it looks like to rightly relate to each other. Are you being strengthened with all power by his glorious might? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We love you.
I pray that um, as Andy just so passionately and timely, just perfectly described during our, our uh, music time, um, Father, you're at work. And I pray that we would submit to that work, that we would not get in the way of that work, but we would lose ourselves and gain you that we would see your strength and your power and your might unleashed in our families, in our marriages, in our homes, in our communities, that we would be concerned about our neighbors. We would be concerned about the lost, that we would love others unconditionally, that we would make that, that change in how we view ourselves, how we view others, how we view you, Father. Father, we just want to be changed. Break the coldness of my heart Break the coldness of our own heart collectively as a church, that we would be broken, that we would be humble, that we would see your spirit change us to be the church that you've called us to be. And so, Father, now as we sing this final song again, and as we remember who you are and what you've done, uh, Father, I just pray that you would be glorified. Uh, We ask all these things in your name. Amen.